My name is Tim Houlihan. And I'm Kurt Nelson. Each week, Weekly Grooves picks a current article or news topic, and we explore it through a behavioral science lens. We dig in deep to help you understand the psychology behind the headline. Now, the specific topic that we cover in this conversation is current, but the insights are timeless. Timeless like love and romance, Tim? (sighs) And the struggles that come from relationships, of course. (laughs) (laughs) The struggles of love and romance, of course. So this week, we were inspired by an article in the New York Times by Nicole Pager called, Can Love Survive This Election? Nicole's article confirmed our sneaking suspicions about how romantic relationships may be suffering in the current political climate. So we decided to look more closely at the topic through a behavioral science lens. Yes, sir. In this article, Nicole points out how divorces due to political affiliation are on the rise, and she reports that people using dating sites are searching on political affiliation of potential partners now more than ever. So we're wondering if the social norms around relationships and political identity might be changing. We know that a decade ago, people with different political perspectives could successfully be in intimate relationships. Our questions for this episode is, what's going on now? Yeah, so let's review what Nicole addressed in her article, and then we can talk about some of the behavioral aspects about this. Does that sound okay, Kurt? Sure, sounds good. All right, so first, the article talks about that for many couples, fighting about politics has become more common, Mm. particularly since Trump's election. Uh, Ken Jewell, a New York City divorce lawyer, has had clients in his office regularly ranting about their partner's outlooks on initiatives from Black Lives Matter to a variety of other aspects. Uh, she, she goes on to write that political uh, politicization has, uh, that's weird, political politicization. Political politicization. Yeah, there but that's go. what she wrote, has become such an issue Uh, that an owner of um, New York and Florida-based matchmaking business says that clients are requesting to only be paired with people having similar political views. Yes. And it is uh, from dating.com. She brings up this stat that says 84% of singles using dating.com won't even consider dating someone from the opposite political views. And that is a 51% increase in searches for matches by political party that came in the third quarter yeah, of, just, of 2020. Just this year. Yes. A 51% increase. That is absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, she also talked to a guy named Salvatore Prano, who created a, um, a dating site called liberalhearts.com in 2002. So that's a Republican dating site? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe not. Okay. Maybe not. But he said that uh, through 16 years of Bush and Obama, most partisans found a way to tolerate friends and family of different political persuasions. But what we're seeing now is it's more about the man than the party itself. The man being our current president? The man being our current president, absolutely. All right, well, let's let's explore this a little bit. So we, we know that over the past 30, 40 years, that political partisanship has become greater, that the, our representatives in Congress have become more 
party centric in their votes. You want to talk a little bit about some, yeah, uh, our own uh, University of Minnesota researcher Howard Levine's yeah, research well, on well, this. Well, we and we saw him talk, and he he gave a, a tremendous presentation about uh, the history from ninety eight two thousand eight two thousand eighteen, and it showed a migration of the of the uh, congressional members the, it, what they used to do is vote on issues and so there was uh, because it was issue centric it wasn't so much party aligned then there would be sort of this pollination this cross pollination of of voting sometimes democrats would vote more uh, slightly on liberal issue on uh, conservative issues and the conservatives might vote a little bit on on the liberal issues but in the 2018 data, that changed dramatically. All then right. it became highly polarized, and basically the centrists kind of went away, and and the voting became either very far left or very far right. Right, and so the the, the number of representatives who are voting in the in the in the center is actually, I think it was down in the low teens, if if that, right? Uh, below that, yeah. yeah. And and, yeah. and and he also talked about. You know, in the past, parties had more crossover. That when you looked at those votes, just as you were talking about, but there were actual members of the Republican that were were uh, fiscally or socially liberal Republicans, right? And they would often vote with their Democrats uh, uh, all the time on those uh, social. Uh, issues. Same thing. Democrats would be fiscally conservative Democrats, and they would always or, or often vote with the Republicans in that. So you had this all the time crossover, not just on specific aspects, but across party lines all the time. That hasn't happened. There are these. There, there have been more and more purity tests, particularly as it looks to uh, the primaries, so that when primaries only have a limited number of of people voting in them, those are usually the more uh, engaged and specifically probably more on the fringe aspects. And so you cannot have, it, it's very difficult to be a pro-life Democrat because you're not going to get through the primaries. That's right. So That's right. Uh, those are the types of things. So it has led to a, a greater political politicization, as, as uh, <laughs> yeah, they well, said in the article. And I would also say that the media has become more polarized. Because in order to appeal to their base to get advertisers, right? I mean, this is a this is a loop, right? That in order to have something to talk about for twenty four hours a day, in order to get advertisers to be willing to spend money, you've got to have people engaged in what they're in, in what they're listening to. And the more flamboyant the the topics and the claims, the more you're, likely you are to get people to listen. And 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 demonizing the other side is a way of also doing that because then you have to stay on top and you have to watch that to understand how the other side is being evil, yeah. uh, which which goes into this. And again, part of this also becomes uh, tribal politics and our self-identity is starting to get rolled up into this because yeah. it is no longer issue-based, it is identity-based. Yeah. So I am a conservative Republican or I am a liberal Democrat, and thus I have to, that, that's part of who I am as an individual. Again, which probably plays into some of these relationship aspects. Okay, so how does this play back into love and romance? I mean, we've, we've had, uh, you know, Mary Madeline and James Carville, you know, uh, re Republican and Democrat, fervent uh, in their beliefs, have been married for years. They're still holding out. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, you, you so, so it's possible that it can work. It it is possible, and and to that degree, what's interesting about the present times, right, is is if you look in the current 
news articles recently. Kelly Ann Conway, who's the advisor to to President uh, Donald Trump, fervent you know yeah. representative, is going to bat and is often on the news. Uh, is is married to George Conway, who's an attorney. Um, who is a Republican as well, but he's he's leading the Lincoln Project or one yeah. of the, the the things Lincoln Project, which is an anti-Trump thing. And so these two are posed in in what they're stating out to the public, even though they're within the exact same party. So it, it is there's a division even coming within a party. And, and we're seeing that right now in that both of them are quitting their jobs. Right to return to what they're calling a focus on family. Right. Now, we're not here to poke uh, anybody at, at uh, in, in fact, if anything, I, I want to encourage them to to f- make their marriage better, make their family healthier. Uh, that that's a fantastic idea. Uh, that's a that's a that's a noble pursuit, as if, if anything. But but maybe they've been measuring the wrong things. Maybe they've been spending too much time on things that are getting in the way rather than than aiding them and what brings them together. So let's go back to the article and Nicole makes some recommendations on how you can make this work. And I think some of these are, are, are really, really good. So one, she talks about focus on things that matter most. What, what do you enjoy together, right? What are the, what are the aspects of, of the relationship that brought you together? Right and, and and if you have a family, focus in on that family as as Kellyanne and George are doing. Right there, they have some teenage children, and so they're they're looking at that from that perspective. And and as she says, political leaders will come and go, but the kids will remain. Family first, politics second. Yeah, uh, it's also important to start with the fundamental mutual respect for each other. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we have to communicate in ways that are not demeaning. We have to just start with the basics. And uh, and some some. Couples are saying that when it's time to watch the news, it's okay to go in different rooms. One, <laughs> you know, one goes in to watch Fox, the other one goes into another room to watch CNN, and that's okay, yeah. right? And which goes to differences are okay, right? I mean, mm. if if we are so aligned with with the people in our in our lives that that it's just all the same, you know. Color disposition, oh, the, everything like the carbon else. Copy idea. Yes, it, yeah. it that that doesn't lead to really engaging and dynamic relationship. And so, uh, as she as again in the article, they talk about some people actually even bond over bickering. I don't understand that, but <laughs> there are some either. people that do, right? And we don't want those carbon copies of ourselves. That that's that would be boring. All right. Yeah. At, but there's some. We, we also talked on our on the other. Uh, podcast that we do on behavioral groups. We talked with Eli Finkel recently, who is a social psychology professor at Northwestern uh, University, and he's the author of the best-selling book, uh, The All or Nothing Marriage, How Best Marriages Work. And and he's looking, he's research on relationships, and he says it's really interesting. So over the same time period that we've had this greater politicization of, of things, he said relationships have also changed in what we're yeah. looking for in those relationships, that we're looking um, for, you know, we used to be looking for, will we be good partners in raising the kids and tending the business? Right, and, and right. you know, yes, we search for love. But now it's about, will you find ways to support me in my pursuit of my life journey? Yeah. So it's not just, yeah. are we in love and, and can we support the kids? But are you fulfilling me? Are, are you making my my dreams and my hopes and my life being more more now, dramatic. What, what about my nirvana? 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Not, not just yours, but what about mine? And what not just ours, but my individual yeah. piece of that. Yeah, and uh, and he uh, Eli talks a lot about measuring things that matter the most, and in in some ways he even gets really pretty specific. He says just just keep track of all the wonderful things that happened. Right, the the things that your partner did, the cool things that they said, the times that they extended themselves for you or accommodated your desires and opinions. Actually, keep track of that, as opposed to the. It's so easy to get into that negativity space, right? And so keep track of all the little, you know, things that they were chinking away at you. So don't keep track of your partner's <laughs> shortcomings, ah, right? Right, but keep right. track of all of those positive aspects around that. Yeah. And that that's again, it, it focuses in on accentuating the positive within that relationship. So, so I think that's good. So for some people, maybe it's just time to move on though. So on one hand, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe we have, you know, identified ourselves so much with this political identity that we have and we've, we've drank that Kool-Aid yeah. right or left that we can no longer, or even within right or within left, right? right? It's the Kellyanne George piece. It is the idea of I'm a I'm a Bernie diehard versus a, a Biden, you know, person. And can we live, you know, happily together? <laughs> right. If I think you're a socialist and you think I'm a sellout, you know, want to be Republican. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. y- you know, maybe there is. Maybe it is time to just cut loose and say this. This maybe isn't what we need in our relationship right now. But on the other hand, yeah. maybe it's time to realize that there is more to life than politics and that politics are, you know, politicians will come and go. Yeah. You know, if you look back at the political parties again over just the past 50 years and you look at how much they they have shifted in their viewpoints, you they're not static. They are not these changes. These pieces of uh, reality that are so set that you have to align yourself around them. We know they shift, and it's been really interesting in some of that research when you ask people about a uh, a, a type of you know maybe it's uh, term limits and different things. And and research has shown that when you ask them about that uh, about that issue and you don't put a political label on it, you get as many people from a, the you know Democrats that are saying, yes, I agree with that, and many Democrats who say, maybe I don't agree with that. And same thing on the Republican side. But as soon as you put the label on the issue that you know Democrats support term limits, then all of a sudden you get this polarization. So then- The Democrats you, think it's a great idea, and the conservatives think it's a bad and idea. And Republicans think, and vice yeah. versa. If you say right. Republicans are for this, it is it, absolutely opposite. Yeah. So you have to wonder then how much does the political party aspect of this really get at our core values as opposed to us, you know, having confirmation bias uh, around, you know, these ideas that are put forth that may or may not really reflect our true values as individuals. And so let's look for those true values that we have in our in our partners and let's build upon that unless maybe just turn the damn television. Maybe not have separate TVs in separate rooms. Maybe just turn that damn television off. Maybe get those people in your social media feed that are yeah. talking politics all the time. Just, you know, turn mute it off. them. Turn them off, you know. Life is fine without it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, Kurt, let's wrap this up. Okay. We really enjoyed Nicole's article in the New York Times, and we think that it's an important set of topics to address. Yes, we do. And our big message from this article is that romantic relationships are suffering from politics more now than ever. And maybe by applying a behavioral science lens to her reporting, we came up with a couple of insights to share with you. Hopefully we did. And the first thing is that we're living in this very highly polarized political environment right now. Howard Levine's work indicates that politicians themselves are voting more along party lines, more, more today than in the last 30 years. And it makes sense that the same polarization is happening in houses and apartments all across America. More polarization makes it more difficult to tolerate partners with different political views, and that leads to more struggles and, regrettably, more breakups. Another part of the story might be related to the way our expectations of long-term intimate partners is changing. Eli Finkel's work indicates that, in part, we had different expectations of our partner uh, in the past. We wanted our partner to contribute to the stability of the household and to raise that family. Obviously, there was love involved, but that was another key aspect. But today, our expectations for our partners can be much bigger. In many cases, we want our partner to help us along our journey to manifest our personal destiny. And that puts a lot of pressure on relationships, particularly when we think about how the political aspect plays into that. It does. And not only are these divisions fueling breakups, it's impacting the way people are filtering through potential romantic partners. (laughs) On one hand, Kurt and I are amazed by the percentage of people who won't even consider dating someone from the opposite political affiliation. But on the other hand, it makes sense. Giving our, given that our political identities are overpowering our views on just policies or our true underscored values. Is there a way out for couples whose relationship is suffering because of politics? There might be, but you got to want to make it better. You've got to treat each other with respect, and you've got to measure and focus on what's meaningful. Otherwise, it just might be time to... Hit that road. Well, I think that's what time it is for us, Kurt. (laughs) So thank you for listening to our podcast. And if you liked it, please give us a quick rating or even a review. We appreciate you taking time to do so. Now go out and have a great week and keep on grooving.